0: Awesome. Well, good morning, Fieldstone. So happy to be here with you guys. And can I just give a shout out? Don't you guys have the most amazing leaders ever? Can you guys give it up for Pastor Justin and Kathy and the whole team? Seriously, guys, you guys are so so blessed. My husband met Pastor Justin a little earlier than I did, but I went out for um, we went out for lunch at Chick Fil A at our conference down in Birmingham, Alabama with um, your pastor and Kathy, and um, man, we left lunch with them, and I got in the car with my husband, I was like, man, that was so refreshing. They are so normal in the church world. Sometimes pastors can be weird, right? But they're so normal and so cool, and you guys are so blessed, seriously, to have such amazing leaders who love the Lord genuinely, love you genuinely, are sold out to build the church. And along with it, the bonus is that they're really normal and they're cool to hang out with and they're really fun. So you guys are blessed. If it's your first time here, you're looking for a church home, you found it. This is a good place to be. Um, so like Pastor Justin said, I'm Erica. I'm married to Eric. And I thought I'd just show you a picture of my clan just to, so we can kind of get to know each other um can you see okay so the first picture I thought I'd reveal our true identity just to be transparent and honest with you guys but I have a different picture too this is our clan we got three kids my husband and I go ahead go to the next picture um so my husband and I Eric we are high school sweethearts we've known each other since middle school um he was one of three guys that were taller than me and we were both way too cool for each other until senior year so long story short he's the love of my life love him so much and we have the same name kind of which is kind of quirky, kind of cute, however you look at it. then we've got three kids, Ella, our daughter's here back with you guys with your kids. She's eight and she loves ballet and drawing and writing and she's just a treasure to me as my only daughter. Then our middleborn Eli is five and he's as sweet as sugar but as tough as nails. He will kiss y'all you over your face but break your arm at the same time. Love him. He's starting kindergarten this fall. And then our baby, Ezra, who's on my hip, he's two. And when God kind of started to call us to plant alive in our hometown, um, it was through a series of conversations and prayer and just this God-orchestrated thing. But he was two weeks old when kind of it all started to happen. And so he is a legit church-planting baby, and he's got more personality than all of us combined. And so that's kind of our clan, our crew um, and so, yeah, I, we're like just like you guys. So our church, a life family church in Brighton, Michigan, is a year younger, or a week younger than you guys. We launched the weekend after you guys, and same as you guys, God has a heart for Milan, Michigan just like he has a heart for Brighton. And so my husband and I sensed the call, and we came back home to Brighton. At the time, we were at, on staff at a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for eight years. God clearly called us back and miraculously built this launch team, like really similar to your guys' story, came together with a heart to launch this church and reach the people in this area. And um, so I feel like I'm on mission here this morning to stir all of us up on the Why? Why did God start this church? Why did God give you guys this building miraculously? I'm having to withhold myself from envy because we're still portable in a a middle school set up tear down. Why? The why behind what God is doing here. Let me open up in prayer and then we'll dive into it. Lord, we just love you so much. And God, we thank you that we're here. Lord, that you have a good plan for us. And God, I just trust you to breathe fresh on all of us this morning. Lord, that we would get a glimpse into your heart. Lord, that you would do heart surgery on all of us. Lord, to have your same heart and your same passion for the, the, the lost in our community. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So your guys' mission statement here at Fieldstone is what? To transform family trees with the gospel. I love that. To transform family trees with the gospel. And so this morning I'm going to share with you guys um, just about the lost and our role with the lost in our life. And I love that mission statement to transform family trees with the gospel there's something so powerful about generational impact of the gospel on one life I think all of us who maybe grew up in a Christian home or all of us who ha- um, who weren't the first people in our family to know the Lord were the result of a transformed family I know for my family it's very much that way um, I have faith from both my mom and my dad's side but it's predominantly from my mom's side my mom grew up in um, with three sisters in a broken home and um, grew up kind of in a crazy home. Single mom raising these um, th- four girls and they were very far from God and kind of known as the shepherd girls. And when someone said the shepherd girls at their high school, it meant like a rowdy crowd. Um, so um, they found out later on, now my whole family is saved and many of them are in ministry, but they found out that early, when they were young, there was a lady who lived across the street from them who was a mother of five of her own, but not in a broken home situation. And they found out that this woman was burdened to pray for my mom and her family as they were young. And she always looked across the street and saw this single mom raising these four girls and would just get on her knees and, and, and plead and pray that God would move in a mighty way in this family. Fast forward a couple of years, my, one of my aunts, my mom's sister, happens to be roomed with a Christian in college who had the boldness to share her faith with her and got saved and ended up going into full-time ministry. Fast forward, what, what is it now? Um, like 40 years. So, so fast forward 40 years now. And those four daughters have now become um, 36 adults and 17 or 19 grandbabies. So 55 people, you know, that's how families grow, right? From four daughters into 55 people, including married spouses. And of those 36 adults, all of them love the Lord and serve the Lord. And, you know, there's lots and lots of more grandbabies coming. My three are three of the 19 um, grandbabies or nieces and nephews. And so of those 36 adults, 17 of them are either in full-time ministry or training to be in full-time ministry, and they all serve and love the Lord, and, you know, one of my aunts is... And her husband are pastors of the church in Kalamazoo that we are a part of that have a global ministry. I have an aunt and uncle who are missionaries in Mexico that went there many years ago, started a church and numerous Bible schools. I have a cousin who went to her husband with Brazil, and they're launching multiple churches in Brazil. And my husband and I in Brighton, and numerous others training to be in ministry. And so this morning we're talking about your mission statement transforming family trees for the gospel. None of that, I really believe none of that would have happened if that neighbor didn't start praying, and if that roommate wasn't bold enough to get out of her comfort zone and out of her social, you know, security to talk to my aunt about faith, and hey, do you know, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus, and talk to me about where you're at with the Lord, and so this morning, I just want to stir us up, primarily, I'll get to the point of prayer, but just stir us up to have a heart for the lost, and For those of you that have been in church for a while, you know Jesus' mission statement is found in Luke 19.10. I'll read a couple different translations in the New King James. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Message Translation says that he came to find and to restore. And then the Passion Translation talks about how he has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. And so as a church, you know, as the Bride of Christ, our priorities should be Jesus's priorities. And his priority was and always is to find, to seek, to look out, to be aware of the lost in his life. And not only to be aware of that, but to rescue them, to to restore them back to life, to um, save that which was lost. And so um, I believe God put Fieldstone here in Milan so that it's really hard for the families in this community to not be transformed by the gospel. And the way that that happens is through us, right? And for me, that's Brighton and Livingston County area. And so... A couple of just three couple of thoughts this morning. My first thought is before we save the lost, we have to see the lost. And we're going to camp out quite a bit this morning in Matthew 9:36. Um, scripture talking about Jesus, and it says, But when he saw, everyone say saw, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this is just as many of us have maybe seen this scripture before. Um, But I'm going to pull out three things from here. And the first thing that we see Jesus doing, this first way we see him interacting with those who are far from God, what does it mean to be lost, far from God? Maybe never had a relationship with him, maybe had a relationship with him at once, but are totally turned off to him, or hurt, or disappointed that things didn't turn out the way they were, people who are far from God. What's God's first response to them? He sees them. He's aware of the lost that are around him. He saw them, and he was aware of them. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, who is in, what lost people are in your circle of influence? So many times I know, you know, I've been in church for a long time. I'm a pastor. It's easy to just get within church community and to just be friends with church people, which is good and it is important. Jesus' model is that he spent most of his time with the 12. He spent most of his time with the church people, but he was always aware and his mission was the lost. So who's who's in your sphere of influence Do you know what your neighbor's relationships with the Lord look like? What about the people if you've got young kids? Who are you sitting by at the ball games? And who's the cashier that's checking you out every week at the grocery store? Who's in your sphere of influence? Are there any lost people, people far from God in your sphere of influence? Maybe even people that follow you on social media. They're watching what you post. They're watching your life. Um, I really believe that God has intentionally placed you in their life for a reason. You know, sometimes we assume, oh, I'm one of many Christians in someone's someone's life, but it's just not the case many times. Many times you might be the only Christian or the only Christian that's praying or the only Christian that has the boldness to invite them to church or share your faith with them. And I believe that it's on purpose and intentional. You know, God's church is not a building, but it's people. And the way that he builds his kingdom is through people. And the way that it's built is through relationships. And so making sure that we're aware and we see and um, have sight for the lost in our life. And another thought this morning is once we see the lost, compassion must move us. It's one thing to see the lost. And, you know, we live in such a cynical society. Sometimes it can be lent towards judgment or criticism or or negativity, but when Jesus saw the lost, he had compassion. And we see that in the scripture. It says in Matthew 9 36, it says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were sheep. They are weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. I mean, they have no community, they have no spiritual leadership in their life. They're so lost, they don't know up from down, right from left right from wrong, and he had compassion on them, and that compassion moved him to action. With true compassion, there is action. So I want to ask you to consider this this morning. If you think back to your texting, you know, if your primary way of communicating is through text messaging or, or calling someone or messaging with them on Facebook or wh- however you communicate with people, if you look back on your phone or your calendar, what, however you do it, if you look back on that over the past month, How many people have you been building relationship with, talking to, that are far from God? Is there anyone on your thread? Or maybe anyone in, I use Google Calendar, Physical Calendar, anyone in your calendar, anyone that you've met up with for lunch, anyone that you've gone golfing with, or I'm a mom, I do playdates, anyone that you've done a playdate with lately that's far from God? Are you building relationship? Have, have you not only seen the lost, but are you building relationship with them? Because we have no influence on people unless we have relationship with them. So this morning, I want to encourage you to not only see the lost, but start being intentional to be moved with compassion to the point where you start building a relationship with them. You know, I, I strongly believe that Christians should be the friendliest people on the planet. You know, I've got lots of mom stories, but a lot of times I'll go to library story time or I'll go out with the kids different places and people can be so reserved and tucked in. Um, as Christians, when we're in gatherings like that, when people are walking by our house, when we're at a gathering where you have the opportunity to be social and friendly, as Christians, we should always have our antennas up and always interacting with people and always being the first to start conversation and always being the one that's smiling the most because we're supposed to be representatives of God and he's love and he's happy and he's not mad, right? And so just to consider, man, if we're here to restore family trees with the gospel. It's going to start with us seeing, and it's going to start with us being moved with compassion for those in our neighborhood, for those in our community, maybe those even that we work with, or that our kids, you know, the parents of our kids, um, friends, or whatever it might look like, building relationship with them. 2 Corinthians five twenty says that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us, um, we are Christ's representatives, that he's pleading with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled for God. And so a lot of times we can be aware of our role on the job or our role as a parent or as a spouse or whatever, but the role above every role is that we are here as Christ's ambassadors. And so he's going to put us in situations and he's going to put us in relationships to be representatives of him. And that he is his like plan A and he has no plan B is to save the world through us, right? Jesus has done everything that that he has planned to do to save humanity, and he has chosen to work through us, which is really miraculous. He lived on earth for three years, empowered 12 people, and here we are today. <laughs> he did a bunch of open-air crusades and everything, but the primary way that he's saving the world is through building relationships and discipleship and things like that. Um, love the scripture in Matthew 10, 1 through 4. It's the scripture when Jesus is... P- choosing his disciples. And it says this, "Um, the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. And Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into ripe fields. Good word for fieldstone. Sent them into ripe fields. And he gave them power to kick out evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and the hurt lives. I truly believe that God has sent us into ripe fields. What what does that mean? It means he's sent us into people's lives that are ready to receive him as their Lord, ready to be restored by the gospel. And our responsibility is to see and to tenderly care for bruised and hurt lives that are among us. And I want to really camp out on this as we close. Number three, that prayer is the key to saving the lost I think it's super interesting in this story where jesus is modeling for his disciples how do we reach the lost he said hey you got to see them and you got to be moved with compassion but he could have said a lot of other things after that oh my gosh look at they're like sheep having no shepherd they're so weary they're so bruised they're so broken and his first response the action step number one that he tells his disciples is therefore pray to the Lord. He goes on to say, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. We cannot underestimate the power of prayer. Praying for the lost is called intercessory prayer. What to intercede means to stand in the gap. A lot of times when we pray for people, we're agreeing with what they want to be prayed for. Hey, will you pray for me that you know, my surgery goes well. Hey, will you pray? agree with me in prayer for this? Usually when we're praying for people, we're agreeing with what they're praying for. Intercessory prayer, when we're praying for the lost, we're kind of praying against their personal will. Like, they don't necessarily want us to be praying for them. But we're standing in the gap and we're pleading for mercy for them. Like this mom of five who had compassion, who saw my grandma and saw my mom and her sisters and had compassion and and that compassion moved her so much that it moved her to her knees she had five kids of her own i'm sure she had a busy life i'm sure she had lots of things to do but she was moved with compassion she believed in the power of prayer so she got on her knees and said god move in this family's life in a mighty way and god answered that in a in a mighty way so god says pray when you see the lost be moved with compassion for them i think it's super so we see from the scripture that jesus sees the lost He has compassion for the lost, and then he prays for the lost. And the interesting thing is is that Jesus is still praying for the lost. We see when Jesus walked the earth, he was fully God and fully man, but yet he still prayed. Prayer was still a huge part of Jesus' life when he was on the planet as both God and man. And prayer is still a huge part of his life in heaven. And we can see that in Hebrews 7.25. Talking about Jesus, it says, so he is able to save full from now throughout eternity, everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray continually for them. We see through scripture that Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, always making continual intercessions. Other scriptures talk about continually making an intercession for us, continually pleading on our behalf. God, even in heaven, Jesus is praying for the lost. There's power and prayer It's the way that God has set up for the world to work. I love this quote by John Wesley. It says, It seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And God set it up that way, right, with free will, and he's chosen to give us the option to follow him or to do his will or not. And it seems like he's limited in what he can do based on our faith and based on our prayer life. And I know in my own life, I have many stories I could share this morning of family members and friends and neighbors who I've prayed for, and they've come to know the Lord and they're living for the Lord now. Many of them are in ministry or serving in their local church or whatever it might be. And I can remember when I first started to get turned on to intercessory prayer, um, I was praying for someone that I really love and I didn't know how to do it. Like, how do you, how do you even do that? And so I was praying, Lord, save him. Lord, help them. And then I got to the point where I really wanted God to know that I meant business. So I got on my knees, you know, because you really mean business when you do that. And I said, God, I want them saved so bad. So if you have to take my life so that they'll be saved, go ahead and do that because I really want to make sure they're in heaven. Totally unscriptural. There is no scripture that talks about that you should pray that way. But I was like, God, I don't know how to pray, but just save them. So I want to leave you guys this morning. I hope I've stirred you up to see and to be moved with compassion. And, but I want to stir you up. How do you pray for the lost? There's, there's a couple of scriptural, many scripture ways. I want to leave you guys with Four. First, number one, pray that Christians are active in their life. That's the model that we see Jesus doing. His The number one way that he prayed for the lost when he saw the lost was he prayed that there'd be active laborers in the harvest, active Christians in their life that were bold in sharing their faith. And just side note, if you pray that prayer, you might end up being the laborer that you're praying for. But pray that God send Christians into their life who are bold. God send coworkers. God send students. Send teachers, send coaches, send people in their life, God, that are just they just connect with. And God, that they're cool Christians that just represent you well. And Lord, just give them boldness to move in this person's life. So pray that Christians would be sent into their life. Pray for Christians to be active in their life and for them to be sent in their life. Number two, pray that the eyes of their heart would be opened to the truth. And there's some prayers in Ephesians, and, um, and that's where this one came from. If you look in Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, it's a, it's a recorded prayer, and it, and it goes like this. It says, do not, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him for the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Other translations say that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And so this is a scripture that I've prayed many times over people that are far from God. So many times it's just like, they just need that light, that spiritual light bulb moment, right? Where it doesn't make sense. Why would you give your life to Jesus? Why would you go to church? Why would you be in a small group? That just sounds so silly. It's just for the weak people, right? but then they have revelation. Then the eyes of their heart are flooded with light, and it's like this light bulb moment where everything makes sense. So this is a really powerful way to pray for the lost in your life, this Ephesians 1 prayer. Another way to pray, um, number three, is that pray that the Holy Spirit would move in their life. Can't do a full teaching on this this morning. There's a book called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets, where he, 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 talks about how the role of the Holy Spirit has always been to prepare the way of the Lord. You see in Genesis that before God spoke, the Holy Spirit hovered the face of the earth. You see that all throughout Scripture, that the, the Holy Spirit would go before to prepare hearts. The Holy Spirit would go before to prepare the way of the Lord. And so praying, God, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would hover over their life, Holy Spirit that you would prepare their heart for the word that this believer is going to speak to them or for what you're going how you're going to enlighten the eyes of their heart. Pray for the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do, the miraculous heart-changing work. And then lastly, number 4, pray for the lies of their mind to be cast down. And man, this one's so huge. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. The first one is in 2 Corinthians 4:4. 4, 4 talks about how the God of this age, who Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Another translation talks about has put a veil over their eyes so that they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And this one breaks my heart. So many people, and especially in society today, truth is so distorted. And and there's such confusion, and there's such a blinding over the minds of people. That's, that's what Scripture says Satan does. He blinds the minds, or he puts a veil of confusion over people so that they can't see the light of the truth. Um, but but good thing we don't fight wars with carnal things, right? I love this Scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It's our response. So if that's what Satan does, what is our response says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so as we pray, our weapons aren't carnal or fleshly. Our weapons are Are supernatural. And as we pray, we believe and we ask God that you would cast down the arguments and the veil and the confusion of this person's thoughts towards you. Pull down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. And so as we close, I just want to pray for you guys and to pray for the people that are on your heart this morning. As I'm talking, I hope that there's maybe one, maybe two, maybe 10 people in your sphere of influence that you're like, man, I I need to be a light for them. I need to at least start praying for these people and believe God to do a a miracle in their life. And maybe this morning you're like, I have no one on my text thread. I don't even have a contact in my phone of someone who's far from God. I don't have any lost people in my life. And I want to encourage you, find a way to get involved in the community. Right now in my season of life, it's easy. Like, walk, you know, kids are running around the neighborhood, and I'm, I'm very much in the community because of my kids, and a lot of the lost community that I know is through relationships that my kids have. Um, but if you don't have that, I encourage you, find a community group to be a part of, or find a hobby to be a part of, maybe for the sole fact of getting in community with people that are far from God. That's our mission here, right? And I believe that God will really honor that, and really move in your life, move in their life through you. And so as we close, I just want us to link up our faith for those people that are on our heart that are far from God, believe God to do a miracle in their life. And and if you're here and if you're far from God, I'm going to pray for you. And if you want to take next steps with God, I just it's just simply saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I don't have this all figured out, and I feel like maybe there's a blind over my eyes. But God, I, I want to trust you, and I, I want to take these next steps and encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Lord, we just love you so much. And God, I thank you for this church, these amazing people, and Lord, the people that you have connected them with that are far from God. And so, Lord, we lift up every single individual that's on our heart, Lord, family members and friends. Lord, maybe people that have been far from God for a long, long time, and it seems hopeless and it seems impossible, but God, we believe that you're the God of the impossible, and you're in the business of restoring and healing lives. And so, God, we ask and we pray in these ways that we've talked about this morning. Lord, we lift up these people and we ask that you you send believers into their life. Lord, we're willing to be that believer if, if you want us to be, but God, we ask that you send believers across their path, fill their life with believers so it's just obvious to them that you're, that you're drawing them to you. And Lord, give boldness, give strength to those believers, to those labors that are sent into their life, Lord, to speak boldly. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prepare their heart in advance. Holy Spirit, just saturate their room, saturate their car, saturate everywhere that they go. Holy Spirit, start doing a work on their heart. Continue to do a work on their heart, transforming their heart in a way that we can't even see or know that you're doing it. Lord, we trust you, Holy Spirit, to move in a fresh way in families. In broken relationships and families and, and people that have been gone from the Lord for a long time and families especially, Lord, we thank you that you move fresh, breathe fresh, Holy Spirit. God, we pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Lord, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation where there was confusion, where there was bitterness, where there was negativity, where there was a fuzz or a glare over what is really true. God, we just thank you that we just curse the lies of the enemy. Lord, they have no power over them anymore. God, we thank you that you're tearing down strongholds and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of you. And we thank you that the eyes of their heart are flooded with light, Lord, that they see clearly, they know clearly. And Lord, we believe that you're able. We know that your word says that as we pray, Lord, we know that you hear us. And if you hear us, we know that we have those things that we've asked of you. So Lord, we stand in faith that Lord, you're moving in these people's lives. And Lord, we ask you to help us continually have a heart to see in a heart, to be moved with compassion with the people that you've put in our life. God, we ask here at Fieldstone, Lord, that you would empower this church to continually reach out, Lord, to transform more and more and more and more lives with the power of the gospel. Lord, we love you so much. We trust you for new things and transformation in the lives of these people that are on our heart. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to see it happen. I'm excited to hear about it happening. I encourage you guys to see the lost. Be moved with compassion with the lost and find some time this week to pray for the lost in your life. You guys are officially dismissed. Have a great, great Sunday and thanks for having me.